0: Hello. Can you hear me? Excellent. All right, well, this morning, as Louise says, we're going to be on the final um, part of two Thessalonians. If you've been here for the last two weeks, Louise has has taken us through amazingly, and particularly two weeks ago, the persecution of the Thessalonian church and and the praise Paul has for them in encouraging them to to, to push on. So we've, we've had persecution, and then last week we looked at the challenge that They've been told that Jesus had returned, and this is creating some issues for them. And and, and the third problem we're going to look at today as we get into this third passage is that of people being idle or being lazy, being disruptive. They're the challenges that that Paul sort of pushes into. And the first question we have is, are these linked together? Is one driving the other? We don't have any evidence to suggest they definitely are, but of course they are factors in what's going on in the church. So we'll look at those. Um, as, as we go through, but the question is exactly what's going on. What's going on in, in the Thessalonian church? We, so we read in that passage. Um, so I come to that in a minute. But so, so we uh, we read verse six: not following our teaching or tradition. Verse seven: not following our example. Verse eight: eating without paying, not uh, working so as to be a burden. And then verse eleven: idle, we are idle, disruptive. So these are all the sort of things that Paul is picking out and he's sort of pointing out things that he's saying, well, actually, these aren't, aren't good things. And the question that really struck me is what's the value to us this morning in trying to delve into those details and trying to work out what these examples really are? Because actually, as Lou said last week, we, actually, we, hi- we know half the picture here. Paul is commenting on something. We don't know what it is he's commenting on. We can just try and un- unpick from that what it is he is trying to, um, trying to delve into. So what I thought actually to do is to actually look at the bigger picture, to take a bit of a step back and say what is the overarching thing as the challenge? Because if we can sort of see where the issue is, then we can see how it reflects on us individually and as a church. So the challenge is at verse 11, we talked about idle disruptive. It's walking in idleness, walking in without direction Um, a disorderly manner or without discipline so it's actually he's challenging them where are they walking how are they walking are they not following our teaching are they going in the direction to which the Lord wants them to go is it disorderly and just before we dive into just that a bit more I just want to pick up on verse 6 where it says uh, in the name of the Lord keep away from every believer the real drive here is not a sort of rejection story. It's actually a protection story. Paul's saying, do not get yourself infected by these people. Do not go where they go and do the things they do. Keep yourself protected from them. Because in verse 15, he says, you know, you haven't thrown them out. Because verse 15, he's saying, warn them as fellow believers. So actually, it's a matter of saying, you know, what's going on here? You do not want to be part of it. But actually, you want to walk with these people and take them to a new place. So... So it's not a rejection story, it's a, an encouragement story. So when we want to understand, so what's going on in this passage, all this idleness and whatever, if we just take a step back, first of all, and look at what Paul says before and after this pa- the bit of the passage. So in 3.5, Paul says, May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. And the words used there, actually, the direct is really to make straight and actually look at it, it's the most efficient route un- without undue loss of time or achievement. So Paul is saying, I pray that the Lord would take you where he wants to go, and that within, in the union of love with God. So into, actually within unions, so actually you would be with God's love into the places God wants you. That song we just sang I didn't really know it, but it's just amazing, the words. Actually, I want to be there with you. I want to see these things. And that is the heart of what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is saying. This is what you're not doing. He's criticizing him, saying, don't go like that. My prayer is that you would be directed um, into God's love and Christ's perseverance to to be able to do that. So to do what is the question Then comes. So actually, if we jump forward into verse 13, where it says um, that you would do good, it says... It says, and you brothers and sisters never tire of doing what is good. I've actually just expanded that translation a bit there with never grow weary of doing a beautiful thing. Weary is the real word they use in the beginning, and it's something about weariness that it creeps up on you. You just, you do it, you do a good thing, and actually after a while it just sort of wears out. And that's what Paul's saying, don't grow weary, don't lose that desire to do that. And then I put to do a beautiful thing because things can be good, can't they? But what is beautiful? (coughs) What is it that's beautiful? Sorry. And do we know? (coughs) Do we not know what beautiful is? Do we not know what beautiful is for God? Beauty in a kingdom beauty in jesus's life and all he's done so actually we can see paul saying i want you to be directed by the lord the love of god into seeing good but actually seeing beautiful happen in your lives and in the church and in his community in your work and whatever it may be uh, and the question we really want to face today is why would we grow weary of doing what is beautiful if our eyes are set on that beautiful, why would we grow weary? It seems we'd look at this and say, well, why would that happen? And that's really where we're going to go. And I, and I have to say, during this week, I had a bit of a panic moment. This really was where I felt we should go. It was probably Tuesday or Wednesday, somebody came to our house, had a meal with us, and I just said, "I just asked them to pray for me because I felt that I wasn't going to make it to Sunday because I felt I had this, but I felt this is people are going to say, this is off the text, you know, this isn't quite right. And... <laughs> And we prayed, and she just said, I feel the Lord is saying, you have what you need. Use it. Well, that was an encouragement. I then met with Louise the next day, and she, she led me and she said, well, I'd had the same thought, but I was led to this verse, which is in 2 Thessalonians 1.11. So some of the prayers that we've been in, Paul's been praying constantly through this letter in 1.11. He's got, I pray that God may make you worthy of his calling and by his power, bring fruition your every good desire. Bring to fruition those beautiful things and the goodness of your every deed prompted by faith. So the whole thrust of Paul in this letter is I'm praying that the Lord will lead you into beautiful things. He will lead you into good and worthy things. And this, 2023 is a warning against losing our hearts on that, against losing our way, of becoming idle, becoming disruptive, stepping out of of actually knowing what we're going to do. So that's where we're going to go this morning. Um, Why might we grow weary? I think it's a good thing for us to think about. I decided three points. Three points is always good. Unfortunately, it started with four. It rapidly moved to five. And then by the crisis in the middle of the week, it got to six. So we got six points. But don't panic because they won't all resonate with all of us. Some of these points challenge me deeply. Others... I'm sort of easy with and I think that will be the same for all of us so as we go through these just grasp the ones that the Lord puts on your hearts and say that's a challenge for me that might be why I grow weary or that might be why I have grown weary or it might be why I won't even start so, so just grasp them as we go and just, just just see which of those really speak to you so why might we go weary? Well, the first one identified is actually not hearing God clearly now, where the passage says, you know, you will be directed, how are we to be directed if we do not know, we're not hearing the voice of God, if we're not seeing the direction of the Spirit in our lives? It's going to be very difficult for us to be directed. So we could grow weary and saying, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know where we're going. But, of course, that is a crucial part of being a Christian, And it's Bill Hybels, this quote. He he talks about Christianity is different to many other faiths that are just a group of people going in a direction. Actually, the heart and soul of being a Christian is hearing God's voice and then having the courage to do what he tells us to do. So we're actually in this dynamic living relationship that God is guiding us. The Holy Spirit is here with us and in us to take us to the places and to the things that he wants us to do and it is my firm belief that those things are all beautiful in the eyes of God and so that's our challenge actually can we hear God can we get to that point and this this is a bit of an aside but having been Christian for 12 years or something now it's always confused me a bit that a conversation between one person one-on-one The amount of speaking that I do and the amount of speaking they do, 50-50 is a reasonable balance for a good conversation. But often in prayer, we are significantly weighted the other way. And there's reasons for that, but actually what I was really challenged as I was preparing for this is what our prayer life would look like if we had a 50-50 ratio of us speaking and God speaking. Now that's a massive challenge and it doesn't apply to every time we pray, but actually what would we look like if we were so expectant that that conversation would be so bidirectional in that way. So, yes, yeah, so, so, so Paul's talking about here, but that's so we're saying. Actually, you've got to hear God in terms of that direction. But that might still be a challenge for us. But is not hearing God even a, a reason not to do good? Do we know, not know what good is? And I meant to look this up, but I didn't. But I think it's Mother Teresa who quotes. She said, I didn't really hear God that much. But did she not know what beautiful looked like on the streets of Calcutta? Sure she did. Do we not know what beautiful looks like in every situation we find ourselves? When we're given a task at work, do we not know what beautiful looks like? Can we not step forward into knowing what God would have and actually still asking God to help and guide us in those situations? but actually stepping forward. So it's not a reason to grow weary. It's something we need to work on, but actually we can go a long way. Uh, and in that verse 111 we looked at there, that actually our desires count too. It's a partnership with God. What's on our heart? Move forward in those places um, and see what beautiful looks like. Which takes us on to the second point, which is opportunities not available. So we say, well... I haven't been asked to do so I didn't really do it or if I had that opportunity you know if I had the platform that Billy Graham had I'd be a great evangelist but the question would be how many people did you pass in the street in the last week you didn't even look at let alone speak to about Jesus opportunities abound in our lives and we often can use an excuse that says actually I haven't got the opportunities others have and on that sort of thing but of course in those verses we've got in 2 Thessalonians where Paul says in, in, in one eleven, your every desire, your every deed, 2.17, every good deed and word. Every part of our life is an opportunity to see the beauty of God. It's an opportunity to interact with God and to see that beauty. And that's really what Paul is calling us. Actually say you are surrounded by opportunities and deeds that can be good and beautiful and the question is how many do we take and as we start to take small steps they lead to more and more opportunities they lead to more and more and we learn our way through that and, and of course our circumstances change over time certain places we're in certain ministries with certain certain things and then we say oh that opportunity's gone so it, it's it's changed and I, i've now got that but opportunities just change I'd love to talk a bit more about Luther and about calling. As calling mentioned in this passage, we have a sort of sense of a a singularity to it. And actually, it's really not like that. Uh, Luther's task at the Reformation was to rip calling out of the church. It was to rip this idea that God only calls priests, nuns, and monks into the fact that God calls us into all parts of life. And so Luther pulled it into our work, into our vocation. But actually, in heart... Paul calls it into our lives. What is God calling in each and every part of our lives? And how does that act? So, so it's in this, this much more wider terms of that. And so, you know, for example, you know, as we grow older, we, our, our opportunities change. And I was really struck um, once by hearing Jim Graham, Reverend Jim Graham, um, speaking. And he, he talked about when he started as a minister in Scotland and he said he'd had a really bad week it was really tough and he received a letter from a woman he'd never met before and he just spoke into her into his life it just spoke straight into the situation he was in it just encouraged him immensely so he thought i'm going to go and visit this woman so he went out she was in a remote community she never got out of the house she was arthritic she was housebound and he said to her you really bless me how did you do that and she said well when i get up in the morning i pray that the lord would Give me uh, somebody 's name on my heart, and he said he always does, and she said, now I pray that they would give me a, he would give me a message for that person, and he always does, so what I do is I write it down on a letter, and I put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it, and I give it to the next person that comes through the door and of course, Jim Graham being Scottish had a good laugh I said like, you know, imagine this a Scottish widow putting a stamp on an envelope every day, but you know but what a ministry you know she was housebound she wasn 't in that community but she was listening for God's direction and blessing people in beautiful ways so so ministry changes and we, we need to see a much more diverse understanding of what Paul's talking about here in terms of where is the spirit directing you in each and every aspect of our lives so moving on keeping going number three opposition now we're right back in the grounds of the Thessalonians here we talked about their persecution they're struggling with what's Persecuting and pushing upon them and of course Paul prays into that Thessalonians is full of prayers for delivered from evil and wicked people strengthened and protected from the evil one I pray for Christ's perseverance eternal encouragement and and good hope and you may be strengthened Paul knows this is there Paul's example is this story the book of Acts and Paul's letters are about persecution they're about opposition And they're about a man who just pushes through and says, okay, an opportunity is, you know, Paul's ministry in prison. How many of us would find ourselves in prison and go, oh, well, I can't do what I used to do. Paul just finds us opportunity. So Paul knows what's going on, and he actually is really praying for us in that opposition and perseverance from that. And again, that's why we need to know God's voice, because we need discernment to know if God's calling us to this, then I'm going to push forward to it. Or where doors are closed, we need to know that that's the right door to be closed or a door to be pushed on. So when you think about Jesus and and he talks about the parable of the seeds, these are the seeds that are falling on rocky ground. Our good deeds are lost because persecution comes against us and they just don't blossom and they don't flower. So our seeds need to be in in that really good firm soil. it it can be easy to just find yourself against these barriers. And I have to say, even just in this experience this week, the things that come against you, you just don't know what's going to come, and they come. I even managed to spend two two periods in the last 24 hours in in eye casualty, and I thought I wasn't expecting that. I was going to get this passage prepared. But, you know, we just have to push through those, and it's a challenge no matter what we do. And, And my experience is the further you go down that line that Paul says, the further you get that direction and you step on that, the opposition will rise up. But it's a good sign. It's just hard, and that's what Paul is is saying. Actually, pray these prayers. Be delivered from this evil, this wicked generation. Whatever it is that's holding us back. Next one, fear. Fear, I describe it as the Moses factor. Oh, don't choose me, Lord, because I'm slow of tongue. The Bible is full of people who are fearful, people who are completely ill-equipped for the task to which God sends them, where God calls them to, and they say, this isn't me, this can't be right. David is not the man to choose to fight Goliath, is he? But God seems to have another plan. So our fear (coughs) isn't the good reason to do it. Actually, we can look and say, oh, that person's got this gift, they're better than me at that, and whatever. And I feel we lose sight of that. We need honesty, and I I wrote this in the week, actually, holiness should never be at the expense of honesty. We need to share in part of a body, actually, this is what it's like. This is how I journey, this is what I challenge, and therefore we're doing that together, and it overcomes our own fear and it overcomes others. In fact, I was reading an article just recently by psychologists they did a study. They said the modern culture tells you that if you want to get better at something, if you're struggling at some particular challenge, or you want to improve at some sport. What you do is, is our culture tells us, you go and ask an expert to give you some advice, and then you take that advice, and then you, you become better at it. But they sort of noticed that this didn't really work, so they did an experiment. They said, what happens if the people who are working on these issues or struggling give the advice? Then what happens? And what they found was that 75% of those people did better at the thing to which they were given advice to. So that's why I'm willing to stand up here and give this message because I am hugely challenged by some of these things, and I think we all will. But actually, as we accept that and we move and say, "Actually, this is where we can move forward," I could do that. So fear. Then the next one, too busy. Now I have to confess. Verse three, eleven, uh, it's got. We hear that some of you are idle and disrupted. They are not busy. I think that's an unfortunate translation. It's, it's not wrong, because busy is actually... It's come from the word business and doing business, and these people are doing business. But busy has become, I believe in our world, a word. It's become an excuse quite often. I'm busy. I'm busy doing... But what are you busy doing? I can get busy doing all sorts of things. And actually, Martin made me laugh a few months ago, when I said, you know, I just keep doing things, and I can't stop doing these things in the house. And he said to me, well, like straightening nails... I know, goodness me! You must live in my garage. That's exactly the sort of thing I do. I can spend hours straightening nails. You know, it's like or sorting screws and things like that. And I can be busy. But is that right? Is that you know? And I think I'm going to show you a little video in a minute about busy. Um, I saw a few years ago, and it's 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 drawn me away from using the word. I try not to tell people I'm busy because I, I find it's a bit unfortunate. But it's usually an excuse. The excuses I found this week not to prepare for this message, they're amazing I spent four hours in a spreadsheet on Friday afternoon I mean I like spreadsheets but not that much so what was it that did that what was it that would would drive me to do that and of course we're very easily to do that I mean how many times do people check the news you know, you could probably do ten a day I know it's been 15 minutes but maybe World War 3 has broken out since the last time I went to the BBC News website I better just check am I the only one who does that probably not but actually we can be busy but actually what's God calling us to and I want to just do a little example here you may have seen this done before um Mark Mellowish was the first person I saw do it for me and actually it's it's to consider that our life every day of our life has a capacity so if our life was like a jar each day of our life and actually our whole life has capacity but every day we have the same number of hours and minutes and seconds as each other and our choice that belies us, and this question that Paul raises about being directed, directed into God's love, that direct and efficient route, we choose what we put into it. So, of course, there is lots of busyness in life. There is all those emails and other things that just have to be done. You know, we've got stuff, and we say, yeah, no, i just got to get that done, and I need to check my Facebook, etc., etc. So we start to fill up, our day starts to fill up with stuff. And then, of course, there's, there's things that we know are beautiful. There's things that we know God's called us to in our lives. And it, it's quite tough because, actually, we know there's opposition. We know it's difficult. We don't feel equipped to do some of them. So we tend to put them off and we check the news again and again, just in case. You never know. Although I do have a reputation for that. I had to be rung up the day two days after... Princess Diana died by my mother. I said, you probably don't know. And I went, no. Because <laughs> we're not very good at checking the news. So I check more now. But, you know, but actually, we fill up our lives with, um, with stuff. And these things that God has given us, uh, we maybe get one in. Yeah, actually, I will speak to that person today. Or maybe I will you know, do that thing that is, is beautiful. But generally, I spend much of my life doing this stuff. And so what happens is that the jar, the day fills up. Our lives fill up. And, and yes, yeah, so we get some capacity to do some of those things that God is calling us to do. We do spend some time with him. But what we find is it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't all go in. And this beautiful thing that God's put on my heart, months, maybe even years ago, I just never seem to get it in. And I go... Tomorrow, tomorrow. But tomorrow's jar is exactly the same as today's jar, in my experience. It never changes unless we choose to change it. And so we don't fit it in. So is there a better way? And I really believe this passage actually speaks into that when he talks about being directed. Because yes, there is a better way. And that is if I take that direction from the Spirit, if I hear the voice of God... And actually, maybe I need to start the day with that 50-50 deal with God, to sit in silence at the foot of my father and say, talk to me. Tell me what this day looks like. I put that in my jaw. Maybe actually I just spend a little bit more time doing something with somebody. Maybe I stop in the street and speak to the stranger who I passed every day because I'm busy. Because the Spirit says, actually, speak to that person. Maybe I kneel down on the floor and I spend an hour playing Lego with my children. Because actually, I feel that God is saying, spend some time with my family. And yeah, I still have to do these things. It is still good. I have to do the emails. But actually, I've got lots of emails at work. But maybe there's a project I'm working on, and God's saying, put some effort into that. Make that beautiful, that work task you've been given. Make it right. Yes, do this stuff but do this stuff first do these beautiful things so as we start to do it and that thing I've been putting off that calling I'm putting off actually I'm going to make a step forward on that today and as we put those things in and you say yeah but what about all the other stuff do you know I have to eat and don't you have to and of course the Lord does know that but what we find and if you've seen it before you'll know what's going to happen the Holy Spirit has a different way it, it does all fit. Everything that needs to fit in our lives fits because the Lord calls us to stuff that fits in our lives. He doesn't call us to stuff that doesn't fit. He doesn't call us to stuff that we don't get around to. And so, actually, we are given that opportunity, that choice to, to do that day. So, And that's difficult. I'm hugely challenged by that. I mean, I have a rep- reputation, particularly at work, of not being good with Deadlines. There's Douglas Adams' quote. I don't know if you've ever heard it. but He said, I love deadlines. I love the whooshing sound they make as I go past. You know, we can be sort of, you know, flippant with this stuff. But actually, we can say, Lord, you know what I have to do in my life. And you also know what I don't have to do. So if you can guide me into the things I have to do, the things that I will make beautiful at the other end, then I can really step into that. Now, I'm just going to show a very quick video... On. Now, this just to put in context, it's a bit like the screw tape letters. This is a video made, it's people talking, the demons are working out how to stop Christians being right on, full on for Jesus, to stop them, you know, worshipping God and, and making the world a better place. So we come in halfway through the conversation just to make it shorter. So, far away. Yeah. The busy busybodies Paul's talking about, it's actually, you know, what's going on, what are we spending our time on? question, we need to be our own judges of that but just the words in that, just reading them then, I watched it a few times in the last week but I watched it there the power of Jesus to change lives and how often does the power of Jesus to change lives slip off our agenda and how much does God desire to guide us into putting it right back at the heart of our agenda and everything else will fall into place around that and just think it's such a calling to us in this passage about going where god wants to go and uh, god wants us to go and that word's the most efficient route without undue loss of time or achievement that's what paul's saying i pray that you would be guided to that place without hours spent bending nails straight but actually you would get there and deliver these things so that's that's five and the last one this is the one that came very last on Is actually waiting for our reward And this fires back again into the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians think Jesus has come. So they go, well, hang on a minute. We're being persecuted. We're doing good. And now Jesus has come back. We don't even know where he is. What's going on? Where's our reward? And of course, we live in a culture that says you get your reward. You know, you, you, you get the benefits. It's all about us and our benefits. And so actually, it's a challenge for us. Do we live? Do we do beautiful things? Do we set our life in directions that we wouldn't choose to necessarily go? with a reward that lies in heaven so the challenge to me was actually what I thought when I started this on this thought process is that it's we had to learn to wait it's perseverance to wait and I thought no actually in this passage is in this in this book Thessalonians 122 glorified in you Paul prays 214 share in your glory Moses didn't wait to see the glory of God Moses said show me your glory and the lord said i'll hide you in the cleft of this rock and the glory will pass you by and is it waiting is our reward in heaven yes but where's heaven is paul calling us to bring the beauty of heaven down is paul calling us to say take the guidance of god take the spirit and bring heaven into your situation and i describe I, I, you know sometimes when you step out sometimes when you take a route you weren't expecting you follow the Spirit into a place you're not expecting to go. You find yourself face to face with God, and there are moments I describe them as scrape me off the ceiling moments, where you find yourself in that place, and you realise you're there, and God is there too. And our reward lies there. And I describe it—you know—you could literally pull me off the ceiling after I come out of that place, and you know God's been at work. You've watched it. You've seen God pass by. You've been hidden in the cleft of that rock as you see that situation. And that's what beautiful is. That's what it is. And that's our reward. I think our reward is there when we see God at work. And I'm going to show you in a minute a video. It's the last bit of Les Miserables. If you were here in July, Paul showed an earlier clip of Les Miserables where the grace is shown to Jean Valjean. And that grace shown by one person leads to a catalogue of beautiful events which the whole story of Les Miserables is about in immense persecution but you see these events happening and at the end this clip we're going to see in a minute actually is when Jean Valjean is just about, he, he, he's just about to die and as he dies and he goes to heaven he realises that he has seen the face of God time and time again in the people to which he has loved and the people to which has loved him And there's just some beauty in it. There's something about actually seeing God in what we do. And that is our reward. But before we go there, I just want to really just recap on these before we finish on that video. The call is never to go weary of doing a beautiful thing. You know, why might we go weary? Because of all those challenges we've said. Actually, it's hard to hear. It's hard to know. The opportunities aren't always what we wish they would be but there are always opportunities. And the Lord will guide us in everything. Our calling is in every aspect of work. If you're here as a student and you're starting out, God's got a great calling for you right now in the situation you're in, but he's got a calling on beyond that. For all of us, we know that, that God calls us as we move through life. And that's what we've got to step into and find. And as we do, we've got to strive strive for beauty, overcome the fear. But as we look at this passage what I would say is it's very easy to look at it and think idle. Actually, don't judge yourself on idleness. Don't look at what you don't do, what we don't do, what our challenges are, and actually say, what are we inspired for beauty? What does beauty look like in my situation? What does beauty look like in the place that I am in? What does beauty look like in the place you are calling to me? What do I have to overcome to get there? What do I have to not put in the jar to make space to see the face of God in where I am and what I do. So just really, I've been just inspired, just encouraged that this passage Paul is saying, you know, this is a problem. But, oh boy, am I praying for something so much better, so much more beautiful, that you would indeed see God in your lives. So we'll go with a video. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. I will try On this page I write My last confession Read it well When I At last am sleeping It's the story of one who turned from hating. A man who only learned to love when you were in his keeping. <laughs> I know, I love Come with me, where chains oh. will never bind you. Oh, I for you. All your grief lost last, behind you. <sighs> In heaven, look down on him in mercy. Forgive me all my trespasses and take me to your glory. The truth that once was spoken, to love another person is to see the face of God.